now. Is there anyone out there who wants to go fast? Anybody? I want to go fast. You know, you think like the first time I would have like, you know, learned. Yeah. How many is yeah. this now? This is this is the tenth. This is ten. Yeah. This is number ten. This is the anniversary. Well, I mean, no. we should. It's not the anniversary. It's just number ten. Well, it's it's anniversary. That's like when it's, people say it's, it's ironic. It's worthy of an it's anniversary. Ironic. It's actually kind of a, it's not. Ironic. It's like our ten years. It's like it's our tenth episode. Welcome to the Spears Podcast. My name is Chad Tomlinson, and I am Matt Hay, and I think we should celebrate ten. I'm you know, saying. we can celebrate 10. We can if you want to. Um, oh, we're having a celebratory? Yeah, we're having a celebratory whiskeys right now. We're yeah. going to do a glass clink. Cheers. Nice. You could probably hear that. That was a solid clink. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Oh, 10 out of 10. <sighs> we're coming right back it's around. coming right back around. Wow, yeah. it's already amazing podcast. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, Best so episode ever. Please join us in, in appreciating, <laughs> celebrating the 10th Speeders Podcast. Really appreciate you listening as per usual. Um, we do want to start off on a little bit of a somber note. Um, we want to address the... We don't want to, but we we feel it needs yeah, to be addressed. We, yeah, it absolutely needs to be addressed. We want to address the uh, the passing of a, a monumental figure in motorsports, Nicky Lauda. Uh, he passed yesterday, which was for us, uh, that's Tuesday, May, or excuse me, Monday, May 20th is, uh, is when he sadly passed. Um, thankfully, he died peacefully in his sleep. Um, obviously, it... it He's he's got a lot of accomplishments. He's been uh, and two with the way his career went, you gotta. I mean, that's yeah. what you gotta hope for. Yeah, he <laughs> took he took one of the biggest punches and he kept on winning yeah. even after it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell Absolutely tell the people what happened yeah. to him. So uh, <clears throat> let's just run through run through some basics here. Andreas Nicholas Nicky Lauda uh, was born on the twenty second of February nineteen forty nine. Um, he is Austrian. He was born in Austria. He's a three-time F1 uh, world drivers champion. That's interesting. So same age. Same age. Yeah. Um, he won in 75, 77, and 84. Uh, he was also he was an aviation entrepreneur, of all things. He actually- I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that until <clears throat> we were we looking found on, that today, yeah. on the Wikipedias today. He started three aviation companies of various names. Uh Lauda Air, Nikki, and Lauda Motion were the three. Uh, yeah, it, it, he he was a pretty interesting guy. It seemed like he was he was really into what he was into. He was super passionate about the things that he was into, and he was obviously a very stellar driver. Um, yeah, he's 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 pretty widely viewed as one of the best racing drivers of all time, and I think for a good reason. Um, he he has a he has a a stellar driving career, but. He drove one of the most iconic Ferrari F1 cars ever. Yeah, he absolutely did. And I mean, in addition to that, he's uh, he's apparently the only racing driver ever to race and win for both McLaren and Ferrari. Yeah. So two of the most winningest, most iconic brands, and he he raced for both of them, and uh, did did so in a winning fashion, which is pretty admirable. Um, well, I think what he's most known for though is the the fire. Yeah. So, uh, and when was it? So at a, at a race in the Nürburgring F1 race, uh, he crashed and the car caught on fire, um, and he was pretty badly disfigured as a result of it. He he breathed in some some pretty 
toxic fumes and stuff like that. And his his lungs were burnt. His his face was pretty badly scarred. Pretty um, much most of his body. Though. Most of his body, yeah, sustained pretty heavy scarring, from what I understand. Um, and the man was able to make a turnaround recovery in the space of six weeks. He was back in the in the driver's seat racing Formula One, which insane. You know, obviously it's gotten a lot more strenuous just as a result of the G's that they, the drivers have to endure. But I have to imagine even back then with suspension technology that was available and, you know, the road paving technology that was available, it was probably... Tire technology. Yeah, tire suspension. technology, suspension. Yeah, it was probably still a really also, strenuous too, deal. Those imagine cars, how tender it would be. Well, those cars were riveted aluminum monocoques. So I can't imagine <clears> they would be... I can imagine the harmonics inside a car like that would just be insane. Yeah, I think um <clears throat> steel drum would be a way to put it or I guess aluminum <laughs> drum in this case. So sitting inside of a drum would yeah. be what it would be feel like. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, if you've ever uh if you've ever driven a third gen maybe something like that. <laughs> That's it is <laughs> it's it's hor- I hate I hate the fact that these guys <clears throat> are getting so old and they're passing on because in my mind it's it's my history that's disappearing and, and it and it drives me insane. And that's one of the reasons we I wanted to start this podcast is to hopefully be able to tell some of these stories before they're you know, they're gone forever and they become folklore or yeah. you know, just tales that people tell around the fireplace. Um, I'd like to get, you know, some of these stories down and recorded so that, you know, we have first hand um first hand knowledge of some of this stuff before before it's too late. Yeah, I think a lot of these stories are important, and I, you know, I think we've we've touched on how that's that is one of the reasons that we started this podcast before. But it, it is good to touch on it again. Um, thankfully, you know, some of the some of the best stories that that he had, and you know, that Nikki had in his yes. life, the, the his, accomplishments he was right. able to. His life he, is very well documented. Yeah, it's pretty but... well documented. Obviously, there was a there was a <clears throat> famous movie rush uh, that that documented his uh, his rivalry with James Hunt and um, leading up to and after the crash. Uh, and you know it, it, it did kind of center around the Nurburgring crash, but it, if you haven't seen Rush, you should look it up. It's a it's a pretty fantastic movie. It does a good job of encapsulating uh, a lot of the things that were happening at the time, and it, it it's very well put together in terms of cinematography and you know everything is period correct. It 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 is a good a good movie worth watching, especially in in memory of such a great figure. So if you haven't done that, maybe think about you know going on YouTube or something like that and and looking up YouTube movies and. Trying to see if you can find Amazon probably has it too. Yeah, so. I'm sure they do. Yeah, so join us in remembering Nicky Lauda. Fantastic dude, fantastic driver. Um, thoughts and prayers go to his family right now. Godspeed for sure. A um, couple of things I wanted to touch on. Uh, most recently, uh, Supercross champion um, was announced or was won. Supercross championship was won by uh, Cooper Webb. Who's that? Good old North Carolina boy. Oh, North Carolina boy! Wonder. Yeah, ooh, it's actually nice. it's actually really cool. Um, <clears throat> he, it was a really really great season. I hope some of you at least tried to watch a couple races. Um, I I didn't. I'm sorry. What? Well, that's something expected. I need to work on. Yeah. Whoa, to be expected. <laughs> sorry. But anyway, uh, the the kid he has had an up and down career since he he went from the 250s. He was a double champion. Went in the 450s and has just kind of floundered for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Injury, bike problems, uh, teams, whatever. And he got on the KTM and um, 
just basically went out and took the championship because he wanted it, and nobody else really seemed to want it this year. Good for him. Yeah, he. Uh, it was really, really impressive to watch. Um, so congrats to him and his family and his team and everybody. It was it was a it was an awesome season. And it was a, a cool way to cap it off. Just a you know, kind of a rags to riches kind of story. You know, mm-hmm. he certainly you know he's on the factory team, so he's not rags by any means. But yeah. you know, for someone that was close as as close as you can get to not having a factory ride to you know his results were such that people were really taking a chance yeah <clears throat> and then to have him come out and win a championship it was it was amazing yeah that's a solid underdog story for sure yeah it was cool to watch it, it, and, it's um, it's always gratifying to see someone with incredible talent and capability who's at the beginning of their career like kind of figure everything out and put it together yeah. and, then, and then like take a win. Well, and one of the interesting things too is on another podcast, I heard somebody describe it as um, we were witnessing the embodiment of a life's work. So, you know, a lot of these kids, they start out, um, you know, right after they can walk, they're put on a bike and then that's all they do mm-hmm. until, you know, whenever. Yeah. Um, and it was an interesting thought to me because I have I have a lot of interest, but there's very very few things, if any, that I have wanted to do and that I am doing since I was five years old. You know. Yeah. So to take, you know, take that kind of a childhood and 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 that kind of a goal and actually see it to, you know, fruition, it was, it's it's a, it's a crazy thing to think about. You know, mm-hmm. and all the sacrifices that went along with it with his family and, you know, all that all that stuff. Yeah. You know. It was uh, it was pretty interesting, and it, you know that's that's across the board. Anybody that makes it into that, whether it's motocross or you know Formula One or whatever, you got to mm-hmm. start. It has to be a lifelong pursuit. You know, there's no really other way to do it. Yeah. So it was just kind of another reminder of what it takes to to be a champion and all the sacrifice that has to be made by everyone around you. Yeah. <clears throat> so it was cool. That's awesome. Good for him. I'm sure. Yeah. He's happy. I'm sure his family's happy. Yeah. Congratulations. Cooper Webb. <clears throat> Cooper 2019 Webb. Supercross champion. And then um, kind of bringing it back to Nikki Lauda a little bit. Um, this year at the Austin round of MotoGP, the FIM and MotoGP decided to retire Nikki Hayden's number, <laughs> which for me, being a gigantic Nikki Hayden fan, uh, was it was a really really cool thing uh, for those of you that don't know Nikki Hayden was an American um, superbike rider racer who um, again you know from the time he could walk was riding a motorcycle and his goal was always not just champion he wanted to be world champion yeah <clears throat> so you know up through the ranks won all the things that he needed to win ended up on factory Honda uh, won a superbike champion in the U.S. and um, then went to Europe to ride MotoGP. And I think second year or third year he won the world championship. And um, it was as an American who you know American motocross or motorcycle fan where watching MotoGP where there's not a lot of American representation and there hadn't been a champion. For a number of years, I think he's only, man, three or the third or fourth American champion. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm probably wrong, and I apologize if I am wrong, but 
there's very very few American champions on that list. It it seems like that's a it seems like that happens a lot and particularly European form. Well, I guess it's not a European form of racing. It's not fair to say that, but you see that especially in actually, Man and Rally. Yeah, it very much is though. Like it's Moto dominated GP, by European drivers. Yeah, MotoGP compared to American Superbike, it's it's night and day. There's yeah. there's really no comparison. Yeah, it's like the difference between an Indy car and an F1 car. Mm-hmm. It's that yeah. drastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so he won. You know, um, it, it was amazing. And unfortunately, a handful of years ago, he was hit by a car while he was. Um, bicycling <clears throat> training on his bicycle really and um he was gone so it's still a weird thing to think about but i i just i really appreciated the fim and, and moto gp um kind of recognizing the significance of him and his number like he was number 69 you know his dad nice. ran that number mm-hmm and he ran it all through his career, whether he was number one or not. Um, so, you know, the number 69 is, t- in my mind, and probably anybody that really knows anything about the motor sports industry knows that number 69 is Nicky Hayden. I mean, if you see a 69 with a star next to it, that's that's Nicky Hayden, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like I said, I it was, it was really, really cool. And if you're a fan and you don't know yet, um, every year if you go to um, – Owensboro, Kentucky on 6-9, which is June 9th. They have Nikki Hayden Day. That's cool. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. But one thing I thought of, um, made me think of, after, you know, after they retired Nikki's number, was do you think NASCAR should have done the same thing with Dale's number? Mm. Because in my mind, when I think of the number three, when I think of NASCAR and the number three, there's nobody else that comes to mind other than Dale. Just real quick, three's in the year. <laughs> Three for Dale, for Three's sure. Three's for Dale. Um, and I don't know. I, I kind of feel like NASCAR dropped the ball on that a little bit. I just wanted to know what you thought. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I you're not you're not the hugest NASCAR fan. And to be honest, I am not either. Yeah. But I know enough to know that number three was Dale Earnhardt. Yeah. You know what I mean? <clears throat> I don't. I don't know. I, I. I honestly think it depends on who you are. I'm going to give a wishy-washy answer by saying it depends on who you are. Yeah, that interpretation is going to vary. Uh, personally, <clears throat> I don't. I don't have a problem with the number living on. Um, yeah, because you know, back to Nikki Hayden, AMA didn't retire his number. There's no other series that retired the number 69. Yeah. Um. I just. I. I thought it was an. It was. It was a really cool thing for that series to do. Um, but I, I just had the question like, man, I, you know, I wonder if NASCAR should have done the same thing. Yeah. I, I think, I think there are, cause you, I mean, you could, you could probably say that about a whole bunch of numbers in NASCAR. Well, I think you, know, you could say up, that about if, a bunch of numbers in any racing series. Yeah. The, the reality is what, what is the proper way to pay respect to someone who, right. who, passed before their time or or you know they they were just a legend and they passed naturally you know right. kind of like Nikki Lauda um how, what is the proper way to pay respect to that person to pay homage to what, how they contributed to the communities that they were yeah, in respectively I mean, and i i don't i don't eventually find, run out of numbers so well yeah there's that i mean <laughs> but but also i like i don't find i think it's nice if a sanctioning body wants to retire the number i think it's a nice gesture especially if if they were particularly moved by by the presence of that person 
Um, you know, I think it's it's something that's up to the individual sanctioning body and yeah. the people that are in it. If they want to do it, then they can do it. But I, I don't find it necessary. Um, if like in the case of Dale, I'm I'm fine with his number living on. Yeah, with with other. It's drivers. still it's still like I'm not. I, as I grew up, you know, Sundays were for racing, whether it was drag racing, NASCAR. Yeah. It didn't really matter what it was. That's just what we did. You know, we went to church, had a nice lunch, mm-hmm. and we watched racing the rest of the day. You know, it's yeah. just how it how life went. Those are good memories. Um, yeah. Um, so for me, I guess I have a little bit more attachment to that number, and it makes a little bit more sense to me to that it would be retired. But I could see I could see the flip side as well. That's why I kind of wanted to ask just to see what you thought. And, yeah. But you know, going back to Nikki, like there was. There wasn't one person. I've never read a bad report of Nikki. Yeah. Whether it's competitor, sponsor, and I mean you can go back through as as, as much, you know, press as you want. And, and, and conversely, you can read some pretty nasty <laughs> stuff about James Hunt. I mean, that's for sure. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I it was an interesting question in my mind. It, it might be a dumb thing to talk about, but no, I, I think it's I think it's a good thing to. There's talk a about. lot of people that say when Dale died, NASCAR died, and. You know, if you look at the ratings and the way things have gone since then, you could yeah. you could probably have a pretty good case for that. Well, I think I think a lot of that can be attributed to just the way the sanctioning body has operated, and and the I don't know the more product driven that they've become, the the further they've progressed in time. It, it seems like they're much less interested in creating interesting dynamic racing as they are just drawing sponsors. Product sales. Yeah, yeah it's all product sales. It's yeah. all product driven, which is the way that they make their money, well, which is fair. Unfortunately, it's the way racing has gone. Yeah. I mean, but you know, but in general. I think I think you can <clears throat> kind of compare it to like what you need to focus on in profitability of a company. There are two ways to do that. Do you focus on your marketing and making sure everybody knows that you have really nice, awesome products, or do you focus on the products and actually ensure that they're really nice, awesome products? Yeah. I mean, you know, that's 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 a pretty simplistic breakdown, but basically there yeah, there there are a couple ways to focus on that. You can get really famous by having a really awesome product and, and maybe balancing it with marketing, or you can focus really hard on marketing. Make sure everybody knows that your product exists. Yeah, I think that's what NASCAR is stuck in right now. They're just they're trying to draw more people. Well, and I would imagine for they're trying them, to shake things up. I mean, I would imagine for them it would be really hard because they went through a time where they could basically print money. I mean, yeah, there there wasn't anything that they could do to make them you know to make a mistake, and now. With media being the way it is, and and everybody's attention spans being so much shorter, and yeah. being, you know everything your time is so much more filled with content. You yeah. Know, it, you're, you're, there, there's so much more competition for people's time, especially mm-hmm. in downtime. It's yeah. so easy to whip out a phone and go onto Facebook or go on Instagram or go on YouTube, especially. And, and I think institutions like NASCAR are facing an uphill battle. I, like I wouldn't want to be in any of their positions trying to figure that stuff out I, because the, the, the world has changed so drastically. I mean, the, the advent of television was was a huge thing, but that you know that was however many you know tens of years ago. Pro- what probably like seventy, eighty years ago. Yeah. Pro- when we started to see the prevalence of of television more and more in the in the home, you know that that by itself is a revolution. When when you think that 
when you just stop and think for a second about about how quickly the internet has come along mm. and how how drastically that has changed Scary the fast. way we consume things, the way we it, it's altered us in ways that we won't know exactly what they are for for many years to come. Yeah. So I think to to have all of that change <clears throat> and then also to be in a position where you're like, okay, well we need to we need to try and we need to try and adapt and get more viewership. How do we do that? Yeah. On a, on a, you know, on a, all, like an already dinosaur of a format, you know, you have to, you have to be on at a certain time and, you know, maybe you take commercial breaks and stuff like that. Like that's all stuff that they have to think about yeah. where new media guys just like they post whenever they're ready and they make their own people rules consume and, it when they're ready. Yeah. People consume it when they're ready. It's yeah. on demand. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a lot of questions and a lot of, you know, like I, I've got a lot of, theories and ideas about nascar but you know no one no one knows until they figure it out mm. <laughs> and and you know they may not i i am of the opinion that they probably won't like yeah. I, I think the i think the nascar has seen its best day is is kind of what i'm alluding to and yeah and that, I, I think that you're right I, I think i think they've peaked they peaked in the 90s yeah um, I, I think unfortunately i don't think they'll ever go away i think you know, I've I've thought a lot about this, and I think maybe we could de- devote more time to it at a later time. But, um, I don't think they'll go away completely. It'll change a lot before it's done. But yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, it seems like this is something that we could open up to the forum listeners out there. What do you think? You know, do you, do you have an opinion on on the number thing that we talked about? What's the proper way to pay homage to drivers like Nikki Lauda, like? Uh, Nikki Hayden, like Nikki Hayden, mm-hmm. you know what? How do you how do you do that? Is is retiring <clears throat> numbers appropriate? How how does NASCAR uh, face their current dilemma with trying to maintain viewership and grow? Um, and then you know that brings us pretty squarely to the next thing I want to talk about. I want to do some Formula Drift recaps. If you're ready to move on, yeah. All right, totes, totes, me goats. <laughs> All right, so I think I think personally this is an interesting discussion. I think Formula Drift is going to be bigger than NASCAR. I think it's going to be the next next NASCAR oh, for for my generation. And <laughs> I see, say that here's the thing, you're you're saying that. I mean, at one point, it was baseball, football, NASCAR. Yeah. So you're saying at some point it's going to be baseball, football, drifting. I don't know what the others are going to be, but, that's, but, but drifting, that's what you're drifting saying. is going to be squarely in the cornerstone of of consumed sport media. Yes, I'm I'm pretty confident that that is going to be so. Um, and and I think in order to do that, you have to have a clear winner. You can't have a you can't have it be judged. That's that's not necessarily true, and I think the spectacle of it is Man. is enough. Whoever I, I crosses that line first is going to win. Man, it doesn't have to be objective in order it has for it to, to be, be compelling. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to talk about who won. You know, I think I've got I've got my own opinions on on the the validity and and you know the 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 way that they have their drifting set up. It's you know it's subjective. At the end of the day, that's what it is. They they've tried to to do a bunch of stuff to make it more objective, and I think that that's been pretty successful. They've got three different styles of judging. They judge for style, actual style. So that's kind of like the attitude that the driver has when they're driving. You see some drivers doing lazy transitions. Some drivers driving very aggressively, like surging on opponents and following and you know snapping into the into the opposite drift you know when they when they do their transitions uh in addition to that they've got line which is they the drive the judges want to see a certain line whenever they do layout and they have clipping points inside and outside clipping points Uh, the proximity to those can determine you know the point the point dish out for that and then they've got another thing i can't remember the other thing i understand i understand the judging 
I really, really <clears throat> do. I've, I, I've, I've been doing more research. I've been watching a little bit more, trying yeah. to, and I understand where they're coming from. But to say that it's going to be as big as NASCAR, I just, I can't, I can't see it, man. Yeah. I mean, only time will tell, but, and and I understand that's a pretty bold claim to make, but. Because <laughs> you did say in the last podcast, it was the figure skating of the motorsports world. So. Well, I mean, in terms of, in, in terms of <laughs> like ideal analogies, I mean, that's the pretty perfect one. You've got a bunch of dudes that go out there and they, they display something that's innately linked to, you know, their driving ability, their skating ability. They, they do, uh, I mean, could there you, are could objective use, points that you can use what to, about, to like, identify, like to to score a certain run. What about like the surfing of motorsports? In I world? mean that that would be an appropriate way to 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 term it as well. I mean, you could also say like skating competitions. That that's kind of it falls into Skate, the same yeah, realm. Yeah, you know, there 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 are some things that are objective <laughs> about it, and then there are some things that are just subjective. And at the end of the day, it's going to fall down to the judges present. Yeah. to decide who who wins and who moves on but the, you know you see those sports are still totally fine they're thriving um and 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 and, and <laughs> i i think it i think even even beyond that there's something that's just appealing to kids about drifting i i asked this question you know this this weekend at hyperfest um it, it's it's interesting so i was at hyperfest this past weekend um it was an absolutely fantastic event. And one of the things that I, that I noticed, and it happens every time I'm at an event where, where there's drifting present, the median age in drifting is so low. It's incredible. You go to like every other form of motorsport talking NASA, SCCA, uh, you know, you know, even, even moto stuff like that, the, the median age is like probably mid twenties. Well, not moto. Moto, or, or moto, a lot higher. moto starts pretty early. Yeah. And that, that's maybe different. I, sh- I maybe shouldn't make that claim, but, but even then I would say that the median age is, is a little higher. Uh, and I say that specifically because it's, it's a lot harder to get into maybe. Um, and that, no, see, even, even this is a wrong way to do it. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to backtrack for a second. Um, it, I think drifting for car racing. Yeah, for car racing. For car racing specifically. I can and see I, that the median age being lower. Yeah. Yeah. I got that. So so when when you talk about drifting too, it's 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 easy to discount it, you know, for the reasons that we that we talked about. It, it there is a lot of it that is subjective at the end of the day. It's not like you're going out there and you're racing and a time is a time is a time. It's, and, uh, it's not unfor- like that at all. Unfortunately, too, I think it has a stigma behind it where, you know, it's, yeah, it's, I think so. it's idiots doing donuts in the middle of an intersection. Yeah. I mean, well, we are drifting and, you know, it's, it's yeah. some guy that comes around my neighborhood all the time. You know, it, you know, that's what pops yeah. in people's head. It unfortunately hasn't been legitimized. Yeah. Um, and and I, well, I think the, that's at this point, that's what the series is doing. It's it's providing a legitimacy and and a professionalism that we haven't seen before. The 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 levels that these cars are built to. We're talking about thousand horsepower yeah. cars, and pretty much all of them on the paddock that are successful are somewhat reliable. Yeah, you you think of how much it takes to to make a like a six hundred horsepower car that gets beat on at a race reliable, then turn it up to a thousand, and then go drifting with it. Like that's that's put, so incredibly destructive. Hanging on the saying, rev limiter all the time. What you're saying is you won't get turned. Yeah, you won't get turned. You actually won't. Get <laughs> I think you did. Legs. I think you actually you did hit on something though. Um, Hyperfest. Uh, what's the one? Um, grid life. Grid life. Yeah. 
festivals like that are kind of um, appealing to people's um, attention span. I, that's not the right thing, but <clears throat> well, I think it's the sense of novelty that people seek. But not only that, but there's so many things going on. If you get bored of one thing, you can walk ten feet and well, you're that's, seeing something completely that's what I'm saying. different. It's the novelty of of the but things it's not that even a, it's not with. even novelty though because it's it's all related to motorsports. So if you're into it, you're into it. Yeah, automatically. Mm-hmm. But there's you don't have to sit for four hours and watch the same drivers doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, you can do you know, five, 10 different things over, over the course of a weekend, which I think that might be a better, you know, obviously it might be a better formula moving forward for everybody. Well, I mean, again, that's, that's what I'm trying to touch on with the word novelty. It's that you're being confronted with a bunch of different, like, you know, varied things yeah, but that, novelty, that keep your attention. Novelty almost evokes, um, temporary like it's it's a temporary thing well that's basically what it is because you're confronted with the opportunity to partake in drifting at the same time as drag race it's kind of like ls fest ls fest one of the reasons that it's so fantastic and i think it's it's been an incredibly successful event for so long is because of the variety the novelty of the things available at the fest Mm -hmm. um you've got drifting going on at the same time as autocross going on at the same time as road course racing albeit at a different paddock but at the same time as as drag racing as roll racing it's all this stuff happening all at once all in the same place um and you're starting to see yeah for the same ticket price and you're starting to see more and more of those kind of catch-all events happen more and more often where even you see in in cases of grid life and hyperfest music festivals and parties Mm -hmm. and and you know the age gets a little bit more like as as you talk about these events that again that median age starts to creep down the more and more you involve uh, it, these styles of events and the more and more you involve things like drifting and things that are absolutely of the car youth culture right now at this moment, you know, the, the more you see that age lower. And I think that's what, that's what tells me that things like this, when, uh, you know, these, these guys right now have kids and they raise their kids, that's going to be a huge, like multiplicative effect where like all those kids now are going to be into drifting because now their dad goes to drift events on the weekends and he's watching the Formula Drift live stream on the weekends during the season. I think that's the type of thing that we're going to start to see. And yeah, you know, but it's, it, I don't think it's necessarily limited to dirt, to drifting. I mean, the, the cool thing that I see happening is that, you know, people of my age and older, you didn't go to um, events as much as you did car shows. Yeah. And if you were driving there, you probably sat around behind your car the whole entire time, maybe mm-hmm. walked around or you did a cruise through the the the, the grounds or whatever. Whereas now um, you see people, they're, they're more active. Rather than sitting around all day, they're driving. They're using mm-hmm. their vehicles. They're testing their vehicles. Yeah. Um, which is really, really cool. I, I love that part of it. Mm-hmm. I, I still like to go to car shows. I It's just part of me, and, and you know, it probably has to do more with my age than anything, but I also really, really appreciate the, the fact that, you know, <clears throat> there's families going to events. Kids are using their cars, whether they're daily driven or not, you know, at these events, and, and that's, that's a cool trend. I, I really hope to see that continue. Yeah. I think, we, you know, we've always been function over form guys, mm-hmm. and I think that, that absolutely speaks to that, you know, that, that 
the, the entire purpose of cars, in my opinion, is and to it's interesting. make you happy. And the way they make yeah. me happy and the way that I constantly think about them is the performance aspect, specifically grip and, you know, cornering capability and acceleration on straights, like all that stuff factors into what makes a car cool for me. Yeah. And so to see people getting more and more interested in like weekend HPDEs and, you know, like all forms of racing, like NASA's, you know, experiencing some growth right now. I think We're not SCCA, going into space, not going into space, talking about national Associ- uh, uh, Associations uh, Sports Car uh, Autos is what we're talking about. <laughs> talking about worldwide people are going to space in their cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we're, we're seeing growth in all of those yeah. in all of those fears. It seems like more and more people are getting involved in racing. Um, it's cool. I like it. Yeah, it's it's super solid. And then, you know, as bleak as some things seem, like you know, especially with NASCAR and drag racing and stuff mm-hmm. like that, there you have this whole other subsection. It's growing, yeah, in leaps and bounds. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's all just it's encouraging, yeah, yeah. It's all it's all change, but you know <clears> things <throat> things things definitely undoubtedly change. We, I, I, like I know we've talked a lot about electric cars and a lot about you know NASCAR dying. I think we've touched on that a couple times now, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of somber. But yeah, I think yeah. it's I think it's just symptoms of change. You know, we're going to see stuff like drifting rise up and become more popular NASCAR, like I talked about. And then also we're going to see other things happen that, you know, maybe we, we don't account for right now. Maybe uh, tractor pulling will get really big. <laughs> Did you guys look up mud bogging and tractor pulling like we told you to last episode? Probably not. That's fine. Thank you for listening. It's, man, I'm telling you, it's it's a good show. Yeah, it's cool to watch. Yeah. So we, <laughs> You're just being agreeable. You don't even care. I am. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, you see one person pull a tractor. <laughs> yeah. But you got your full pole. You got your almost full pole. You got your blown motor. All right. So <laughs> we're going to move into Hyperfest. I taught, I taught, I touched on Hyperfest already, but uh, I went. It was a fantastic event. I want to talk about it. I want to talk about some things around it. So what I is, I want to do some recaps. What is Hyperfest? Yeah, that's the that's the best way to start. What is Hyperfest? Hyperfest is one of those new types of events that we we kind of just talked about, where it combines a bunch of different styles of racing, a, a bunch of different styles of automotive attraction into one place at one time over the course of a weekend. Um, so basically, the the way I understand it, uh, it started with a guy from NASA. He started an event. Uh, that catered specifically not space guy. Not space guy. He he started with an event that catered specifically to HPDs and racing and stuff like that. And then it it started to grow, and he added more and more components of it, like drifting. And you know, there's a there's a there's a rally element of it now. NASA rally is involved, um, and it, and it's just grown exponentially from there. So you know, now now it's drifting, and there's a there's a concert, and you know, there's a there's basically a car show that you know. And it's all of these things combined into one, and man, like it's it's hard to come up with another place where I've seen as an like an eclectic group as much as as this event because the the only other event that I've been to I haven't been to Grid Life yet that's on the list I want to do that this year it's going to happen but the only other event that I've been to is the other event that that we touched on and and discussing this topic leading up to this um, LS Fest and and the limiting factor in that is the basically the the central part of LS Fest, the LS part. It has to be an LS powered motor. And, you know, you see everything at LS Fest, but it's still, you know, it's still like a majority is is going to be GM powered, you know, GM GM cars, not not just GM powered cars. That's obviously all of them. But um, when you go to Hyperfest, 
dude, it's honestly everything. It is literally everything. You see domestic cars, you see Corvettes and the Sympatic as BMWs, a bunch of BMWs, Porsches. Um, you see Hondas next to next to Nissans. It, it's like it's everything. And then that's just in the NASA paddock. That's just in the road racing paddock. You go over to drifting and you've got, you know, primarily Japanese, but you've got a bunch of stuff over there too. You've got mm-hmm. U- European stuff. There was a, there was a, there were a couple <clears throat> Mustangs out there. You see big names at these events like Chelsea Denofa. You see Adam LZ that was there over the weekend. Von Gittin Jr. was there. You know, they're, they're, they're basically factory Ford teams at this point. Uh, Vaughn and Chelsea competing in Formula Drift, and and to see them campaigning at at events like these, that's kind of a big deal because these these are multi million dollar a year campaigns. Yeah. It's and not only campaigning though; you're testing. Like, yeah, they're, they're, they're honestly testing. They're and, not in their mm-hmm. you know they're not FD in yeah. an FD event, so they can yeah they can go to this thing and, and they're thrashing, having fun. Yeah. I, I think that's I think that's one of the the really positive things about drifting right now is that it's still in that growth phase where everybody, it seems like most of the people involved in the, the highest level of the sport are still having a lot of fun. Mm. Who, who knows if, if that'll change, when that'll change. It probably will. We've seen in history, people get way more serious and way more dour about racing well, as time goes all, on. It's the, the money thing. Yeah. yeah, it's the money thing. As more money gets involved, I think inevitably uh, more feelings will get wrapped up and you know, it'll, it'll become a less serious form of racing but i think the spirit of drifting is just that beat on everything not care attitude you're just thrashing with your boys which out i on the still panic. man i still i can't yeah but well but it's hyper, hard for me to get around that's that. the thing about hyperfest it caters to everybody and, yeah and, and events like it it's that but, i think that's what makes it so special yeah um so i i have i, I went and I did are there people that taken. drift without bashing each other yeah i mean it happens because I don't want anybody to run into me, and I don't want to run into anybody well, else. That, well, because I can't that's afford another, to build my well, car twice. That's another deal. You don't get involved in <laughs> drifting. You don't go out drifting unless you expect someone to demolish your car. For but you. why? Why you does it have be to okay be like crumpled. that? Well, that's because that's the nature of tandem. It's the I think that's the most appealing part of the 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 whole entire spectacle. When you see someone out there that's putting on a good lead run. And you see someone that's putting on the best follow run you've ever seen. And inevitably, when you get people that are following the leader so close, you get people that make mistakes. It happens all the time. Even even guys in the lead, maybe they're focusing on the guy behind them. They're hearing that the roar of that engine behind them. And they go wide. They stay on the throttle too long. And they cream their quarter panel and, and demolish their car in the process. It happens all the time. That's part of the spectacle. It's part of, of what makes it appealing uh, and and so consumable for a young, you know, like a, a, a short attention span generation that we have coming I hear up you. right now. But here's the thing: like, eventually, you're not going to be able to fix your car. Yeah. So what's the point of bashing? It's the it's it's the event. It's the process of the event. But <laughs> if I go to like an what, event, what, what does that what does that matter? But if I go to an event and someone breaks my car and I can't fix it, that means I'm done. Okay, so you then drifting is not for you. <laughs> but there's no other way to do it. I have to get run into. Well, no, you can you can go out and you can go drifting, and they have they have singles. Like you can just want to run alone, and you can run alone. Mm. But but as far as competition is concerned, that is the crux of competition. Like you're going out there and you are you are drifting in tandem with people. Yeah. Um. You know that's that's what Formula Drift is. That's what that's what all competitive drifting is. So about. there's it's leads and follows. So there's, because the type of driver that I have always respected the most, and the type of driver that I have always, um, or rider for that matter, 
um, tried to be is somebody that can race really, really hard and aggressive, mm-hmm. but not endanger somebody else or their either their equipment. Mm-hmm. So you know, aggressive passes, um, you know, all that, all the things that come along with that. But then you know, you're you're getting close to somebody, but you're not touching. Yeah, I've always really, really respected that individual, mm-hmm. and I've really never cared for somebody that can just go into a corner and say well it's either me or you yeah i I just don't i have zero respect for that so what you're what you're describing right now drifting is not demolition derby what you're describing right now is literally the point of drifting it's to it's to display the prowess of your driving ability right to get so close to somebody i understand a racing incident but to to call it bashing well, that's different. A, that's, a bash, a bash is different than a, a competition event. The, mm-hmm. the the point of a bash is to basically it, you, everybody is in their learner cars. They're they're in their drift missiles, and the point is not necessarily even to bash. They call it a bash because bashing is basically inevitable when you're pushing the limits. But the the point is to go out there and push the limits and have fun. Bashing is what happens inevitably yeah. when you do that. That's part of the learning process and drifting, especially when you're when you're pushing proximity so hard. Um, when you're pushing on, I will so say, hard. as much as I don't understand it, I do respect the fact that these guys can just have fun with their cars and Dude, really not worry about the, it. The like, car I, control at the highest level but is amazing. I mean, even at you know at the beginner level, I just the fact that somebody can say that they ain't care or don't care, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever. Shout the, out Hoonigan. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, I am, I, I don't I'm quite... trying to get to that point. Yeah. I still, the old person in me mm-hmm. really does not understand it. And I, like I just said, I, I, in some ways don't yeah. respect it, but, um, I, I am jealous of the person that can just have fun and worry about the rest later. So, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to explain elements about this, but don't, don't, don't mistake that for me. Totally agreeing with everything that encompasses modern drifting. I, th- I think, um, there, there, there are elements of that ain't care attitude that are kind of toxic in my opinion. I hate using that word toxic, but it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good way of describing how negative the impact is to the community. I think the whole entire point of, of, or one of the points of drifting, one of the points of driving in my opinion is to do so in such a way that, you know, you, you display your talent and you win the day, but without, right. at, not at the cost of everything, you know, mm-hmm. you don't, you don't need to crash your car every time, every time you go out. And I think that's the point. That's the, like you see, James Dean especially is one of those guys, we talked about him before, he's one of those guys where every time you see a run like his, the level of precision and cold calculated driving that you see present in his style, it's like, it's undeniable. Hmm. And he's got a level of skill that's incredible and very easy to see from the offset. You you can look at a guy just even, you know, out there by himself doing a, doing a qualifying lap or something like that, and you can say, that guy is talented. You know, I, I think that's, that's, that's one of the reasons that I like drifting. It's it's easy to, to see the bash culture and the drift missile culture and to see, see people absolutely destroying their cars, sometimes on purpose for the fun of it, um, and to and to kind of get jaded about it like that. But that's not all drifting. Um, and yeah. I, that's that's not the that's quality. Not yeah, those aren't the qualities that I appreciate about right. drifting. I you know I, I don't I don't really love the especially two forty SXs. They're such special cars and they get so destroyed, <laughs> so destroyed. They're, there's going to be none of them left. They're disappearing. They're disappearing. <laughs> yeah. If if any of them make it out, that might be like one of the next sixty nine Camaros that to, or something. To think that Ugh. in twenty thirty years somebody will have a two forty X SX that's never been 
yeah. touched in it. It's and like it's going to go up. Yeah. Stock. It's going to go up for auction and possibly sell for like upwards of 50 grand. That'll probably happen. I eventually. mean, just, yeah. you know, it's because mm-hmm. because it, look at all the drift events that you see two forties out of just well, being and, destroyed. Well, that, and you know, you, you think about, um, the supers of the day, you know, most of them were drag raced and driven really hard. Yeah. And now if you see one come up, that's completely stock. You're like, Oh, and it's, they're going for the, the money is creeping up, man. Yeah. I mean, it, they're going know. for sixties all day for a manual GTE super, the turbo model. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what NAs go for. I don't know what the platform goes for, but the, the price they put on the, the top tier Supra. It's is, just funny to think <sighs> about. It's amazing. You know, a 240 someday being a car that somebody yeah. is. I mean, I, honestly, I think it's only a matter of time with how, with how much reverence <laughs> there is for the 240. It's only a matter of time until, yeah. you know, the, the, the supply and demand flip. Um, not to, more. not to sidetrack you any more than I already have, but what makes that platform so desirable? So th- there was are, it, was it just an availability thing at the beginning and now it's, well, there are a couple of, things that one, you know, the first was probably availability. It probably started because, the car was around. Um, it was a rear-wheel drive. It was rear-wheel drive. It was manual. But more than that, a, a big component of that was the fact that it was really well-balanced. I mm. mean, it's a, it's a, it, you know, it's got some things like McPherson strut and, you know, maybe the geometry and the IRS and the rear isn't, isn't perfect, but it, it's got, a, it does everything really well. Um, and it, it did so for a cheap price for a long time. Yeah. And, it, and that's what made it appealing, I think. Uh, hmm. a, a big part of that is, is entwined with, you know, just Japanese car culture. Because that, that's that's basically where drifting got started as we know it. A lot of people say, you know, that, you know like IndyCar and, you know, the early days of dirt racing and stuff like that, they can they can qualify that as drifting. I, it's not drifting. It's, it's, it's the same process getting sideways, but it's for totally different reasons and it's in totally different environments. I can see that. Um, I'm, I'm not, you know, that's that's not to say, I know we've got a, a variety of listeners, that's not to say that any one sport is, is more talented than the other or, or requires more talent. I'm sure I'm sure everybody has their own opinions on that. But specifically in the instance of getting sideways, these are both totally different contexts. Um, so it would be interesting just for the sake of comparison to put a sprint car driver against a uh, drifter well, in which put, context well and put them in both and both contexts and, and just see what, see what happens see what happens yeah. yeah well i think the medium is a big deal too because you know dirt is some it's a totally different experience than than drifting on, on but i mean it would just asphalt. be an interesting comparison. yeah i think it would be uh, in all honesty because that's that's a that's a comparison that i hear a lot you know we had we had uh uh the bopper on and that's one of the things you know he talked about people getting sideways nowadays and drifting and you know i just don't get it and it, it, it's 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 one of those things where I think it's just a different it's it's just a different thing that we haven't really seen before. By the and way, if you haven't listened to that if you haven't listened to that episode, episode go, three, go the Bopper is a fantastic episode, <laughs> Mister Stapp. He's an awesome. Thank guy. you for coming on again. That was super awesome. We need yeah. to talk to him again. But I I think I think <clears throat> a lot of it is so indelibly intertwined with with Japanese car culture, and that's what one of yeah. the things that made that car super appealing from the offset. And then after a while, it's one of those deals where. Like you still see it at the top of competition. That's how good the platform is. You see many, many car. Odie Bakshi's the guy who's leading in points this year. He he's placed first place in the first two events, and it, he he took top eight. I can't remember exactly where he fell, but he you know he should have by all accounts podiumed. And he is in an S fourteen. Hmm. He is in it, like that's the chassis. So interesting. They're still incredibly capable cars at the highest levels of what the sport has to offer right now. We're you know we're not to the point where. 
you know, their tube chassis cars yet. And I, I, I hope that the sport never does that, never makes that mistake because I, I do like the, the stock body. Man, aspect they're in, of they're it. door slammers. Yeah. You've got to start with a stock vehicle. Mm-hmm. They've got, they've got restraints about shock towers. They've got restraints about, you know, the actual equipment that came on the car insofar as the chassis is concerned. Like you can't make crazy race car modifications to these right. things. And they're out there with a thousand horsepower door to door, like you know, almost every weekend in the summer when the season starts. So that's that's one of the really cool things about drifting. That's one of the really cool things about the 240SX. It'll for sure be enshrined. It's it's the S13, S14, S chassis. Um, abroad, it came as the 180SX and and the uh, 240. Yeah, and the 240, and also the 200SX in Europe. Um, it, you know, and and Japan as well. It came with the, the two liter SR20. But yeah, it. It's it's a cool car. It definitely deserves almost its own episode if if I ever can get you psyched enough about it to talk about I it for wonder, that long. I wonder but. I wonder cuz it's it's a very similar platform to the 240 280 260 car. I wonder why that wasn't like you know the Fair Lady of the Z cuz it was a it was a more grown-up car. The thing about the 240 was that it was not it was not marketed as a as a grown-up car. car, it was it was it was not marketed as a sports car. It was marketed as a, a, an economy car. Interesting. And it had attributes about. I mean, similar to the Corolla, people people took the Corolla yeah. and they turned it into something that <clears throat> it wasn't necessarily intended to be. That was intended to be an economy car, and it turned it birthed drifting. The guy who basically birthed modern drifting, uh, Tsuchiya, he he started racing in that car. And he was so good in his racing circuit that he started drifting corners. And that's kind of where it started. Just kind of playing around. Yeah, just kind of playing around. Because he was so far ahead of everybody that he just kind of started getting sideways in corners. And that's mm. kind of where it started. That's kind of what burst modern drifting as we see so, it. So it started were, in an economy car. People were trying basically. to emulate his style. Yeah, exactly. And then that... that and that birthed it. Yeah, the way... Cult, you see, you know, the way that... You know the way culture works. Someone popular you does something, something, and then and then you know it, it grows into its own thing. Yeah. And then you know, like all styles of drifting are different. Like there are so many different styles. There's like a Japanese style which birthed it all, but there's also European, which is different from American. I think American has slowly become dominant. And there's kind of a weird feedback effect where it came from Japan, but it got really big in America, and now Japanese are emulating American drifting culture, which came from. J- it's really weird. It's yeah. a weird cyclical feedback effect that's happening but yeah every everything's a little bit different it's a huge scene in australia too like they yeah. they contribute a lot to it and they've they got do their like tire style. smoke over there yeah they like a lot of tire <laughs> smoke that's for sure but yeah i think drifting is an interesting component and again we i like i like getting off on these tangents but you know that's kind of the point of the the podcast so all right back to hyperfest but yeah back to hyperfest I, i'll i'll just go through and uh and we'll kind of we'll kind of talk through you know in the in closing kind of the event as I experienced it. Um, you know, we've got some pictures here and I'll, I'll kind of go through them. And if you're watching on YouTube, if I ever <laughs> get around to actually uploading these things on YouTube, um, I'll, I'll try to put pictures up as we, uh, as we discuss them. But basically on Friday, um, Friday morning, got up early and went out to the paddock. And I, I always, from a photography standpoint, I always like getting up early and doing paddock walks and getting up early That's and doing favorite time of day because it's silent it's quiet everything's sleepy and and from from specifically a photography standpoint you will not get better photos for the rest of the event for the rest of the day basically um at, at the end of the day everybody's still busy when the sun's going down um that, that's the only other time that the light is as nice and as soft but yeah it, it's just a different experience so at the beginning of the day that's my favorite part to just walk around do do track walks and get really really good 
uh, uh, shots, which, you know, hopefully I'll put up. You can, you can see a lot of these on our Instagram. They're also on my personal Instagram too. You can look those up. Speeders podcast. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a special event because like from the offset, there were a crazy eclectic group of cars. We were, um, we were next to, I, I went with Detroit speed, um, not in official capacity, but I just, you know, kind of bummed with them. Uh, for for the duration of the weekend, and where where we were stationed with uh, the BFG garage trailer, uh, there were like a couple of Porsches. There was a 944. There was a there was a um, an E46 BMW. There were a couple of E46 BMWs. This is on the grip paddock, by the way. So all these cars that I'm talking about right now are road race oriented oriented cars. Absolute, uh, it's the, the coolest part. Any for any sure. sort of racetrack waking up is my yeah. favorite mm-hmm. favorite thing. Just that you start to hear the hear the noises and <clears throat> it's, it's got to be a wonderful way to wake up, up for sure. Yeah. Boom. So that that that's kind of what that that that, that that's kind of what I encapsulated uh, in this photography. Um, I, we don't have to do yeah, it. Yeah, it's fine. We'll we'll just skip past it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's what I tried to encapsulate anyway. Um, so as we go on further, one of the things that struck me is just the amount of drivers that were there for, for NASA. It was a big number. I don't so, know the actual number, but like just looking at the pictures that I've got of the driver's meeting, it it's was, definitely hundreds. Like it's, it's a big number of drivers. Ultimate track car challenge. Is that what it was? I can't remember exactly what they called it. There, it there's, there's a time attack component of it. Basically, the way it works is you got a bunch of different heats, and there are a couple of different classes, and you go out and you do times and transponders, and then they're like, you got in, or you didn't get in, there's kind of like a shootout, and then you go and you do time attack and proper. I don't know exactly how it works. I uh, I still need to figure that out, but um, the event was, was the very cool. Track car challenge. Yeah. Ultimate right, track right. car challenge. We can, we can say that for sure. Um, yeah, a bunch of drivers, a bunch of different cars. One of the one of the wacky cars that was there, I think, was a previous Lemons car, and um, it had a table on the back of it, which I I couldn't catch in the picture. Um, but that table is actually tapped for beer. <laughs> when when the car is in the paddock, the guy puts a keg on it. He taps he taps in a keg, and he pours beers from the back of his race car, which mm. is I don't know. I think it's kind of stupid, but it's cool. Like good for him. <laughs> Kind of silly, but cool. Um, another thing that, that comes with the variety of vehicles is just a variety of different interesting people. Uh, it, it strikes me, like, the, when you have a, a camera and you're interacting with people, it automatically, I think, makes people a little bit more loose. You know, they like, I whenever people saw the camera and me taking pictures, and especially if they were in front of the camera. Did you have a they, press badge? Yeah, I had a press, press jacket? So, so I was shooting officially. I was able to get oh, in. See, with they NASA. thought you were yeah, somebody important. Yeah, they thought I was a big mistake on their, <laughs> their part. Yeah, I ain't nothing for nobody. They gonna learn. Hey, guys, important for Speeders Podcast. Who? Who are you? <laughs> I'm, I got the vest. That's Just all place for the damn picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it strikes me there are two two different reactions to uh to photographers one is is like oh awesome and then you know goofy poses and smiles and you know guys goofing with their buds uh and then the other is abject horror <laughs> like yeah, immediately just like, like running high. oh no <laughs> turning around or like immediately immediately going in the trailer the, the fight or flight yeah. to, and you, to dilemma. yeah <laughs> you said you saw both of that but one of the things that i liked is that i had a lot of people that were super open to you know, having pictures taken there's one in particular i was uh i was going to turn six to take some photos and i i shot this guy with a vip style audi <laughs> And immediately he was, I can't remember the name of, of this pinata, but there was a pinata on the corner. And he's like, 
did you get a picture of the pinata? <laughs> and I was like, I don't think I got it in the picture. He's like, wait, wait, let me go get it. And he goes and he gets it. And then he like, he poses up on the car and lets me take a photo. And he's Good got a him. goofy crit. So that'll so, be on, that'll be on the Instagram as well. Just look for, for that photo. Clarification. What is VIP style? Again? Uh, it's another Japanese thing. Uh, they take, they take big bodied sedans typically, and they put big wheels on them and they lower them real hard. It's kind of like a progenitor stance in a way. So um, like a little bit of camber. Wheels. Yeah. Well, yeah. Super, super big. Big rims, <clears throat> low low rad hat, um, and that's VIP. Yeah, that's VIP style. Hmm. Typically of black black cars, the you know, and and then you know, like really nice quality cars. That's where the VIP comes in. It's you know really like Toyota oh. Crowns and Mercedes Benz and okay, you know things of that nature. So the Audi the Audi fits in pretty perfectly. I actually, you done learn me kinda, two things today. I kind of like that style. It's another Japanese thing. Um, it is appealing. Yeah, those wheels are not. But whatever. I actually, I kind of like it. I've start. That's one of those things that I've started liking, which I don't know how I feel about. But uh, if it's not for you, there's always <laughs> the, yeah. the racing, which was happening literally right next to when I was taking that picture. Um, there are a couple cool things. Um, just in the space of one heat, there, there were like Alfa Romeos and Mustangs and BMWs. All of the same spaces, like uh, I think there was an Audi R8 that was there. I saw it doing heats, and then there was also a Tesla that was on track making heats. Like this is just a just I, I, we keep coming back to it. It's just such a crazy event. There's so much stuff going on in yeah. so many different cars. <clears throat> uh, wh- one of the cool things about it, uh, I had the chance to to talk. I, I really feel bad. I don't remember these guys' names, but I, I got a chance to talk to them for for like a solid thirty or forty minutes, and and they uh, they showed me their car this guy builds pro mod motors for a living um and he's got this absolutely insane mustang it's a it's a new edge uh sn95 platform mustang and it's got a coyote swap in it with with i think all forged internals it's just the platform designation it's like the difference between um like an early early third gen and a late third gen like the fascia change okay or like fourth gens it's just a fascia change um so they've got that that new edge mustang and it's 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 got turbos in the back seat. That's the only way to put it. I've oh. got I've got a couple pictures of it. Rear mounted. They actually, yeah, rear mounted turbos, and they took those scoops, those stupid scoops, in the in the quarter panels of the cars, <laughs> and they actually made it functional. They made those things functional. Uh, the air intakes are in those scoops, just behind the oh. the doors, uh, and also the the exhaust is just. It's got a really cool side exit exhaust. I I actually dig the style that they came up with. Uh, it's a it's a super racy style. It's a very it's cool got Hoosiers car. all the way around. Yeah. Um, and it makes 1,100 horsepower at the really? wheels. Apparently, they were running detuned. It was at around 700, but it's got uh, like all crazy suspension components on it, some maximum motorsports suspension components, as well as a couple others. So um, the reason for rear-mounted turbos, is that better cooling? Space and heat, Easier from what cooling? I understand. Yeah, the way they described it, it was space and heat. Yeah. Um, it's it's easier, especially with these big overhead cam motors, to put turbos somewhere else. Right. Uh, especially when you're working with small engine bays to begin with. Um, and then it's better for, for the heat as well, from what I understand. I always um, thought it was about heat, but I guess packaging does make sense. Yeah. And one of the questions I asked was, like, how, how does all of this all of this system, you know, like there's basically there's a lot of there's a lot of cord in the system how does that affect you know, like throttle response and stuff like Turbo that lag and those he, he he said <laughs> he hadn't even gotten to that point in terms of you know operating at that that limit that's how how fresh mm. this build is apparently interesting um, so he's still he's still working up is he and his he and his brother and i think another brother 
I'm not, I really apologize, guys, if you're listening to the podcast. Who's your partner? But I really That's appreciate you taking right the time here. to talk to me. Yeah, this is the Tesla. We've moved on to the Tesla now. They were in the same, like, right next to each other on the paddock. Um, I got it's kind of it's kind of cool. One of the pictures I shot, there was a a drift trike, and it was right in front of a Tesla. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. A little bit weird. Maybe he's offsetting his drift trike carbon footprint with with his Tesla <laughs> race car. I don't I don't know what's going on there. It probably didn't belong to him, but I thought it was funny that the drift trike was right next to the to the the Tesla race car. Uh, you know, there were a lot of S two thousands there as well. Um, I I think there were. There were a variety of build levels, but some of my favorites were the wide body, you know, big tire cars. I think they were like ten and a half inch wheels and either two ninety fives or, or three fifteens. And just a lot of aero. That's that's one of the things about this event that I think um there are a lot of time attack cars there and time attack cars are starting to become more and more at a at an entry level, more and more aero focused. And so you got to see a lot more aero at events like these than you do at I think typical NASA events or typical uh, you know, typical HPDEs and stuff like that, where it's a lot more entry level, a lot more, um, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but it's a lot more relaxed. Grassroots. A, a, yeah. A lot. Well, not even grassroots. Cause the, the, all the stuff that, that we're looking at right now, all the, all the time attack stuff that, that basically I, I absorb is, is a lot of grassroots. Like it's a lot of home brewed <clears throat> arrow, you know, just trying to figure out what right. exactly works, you know, internet science mixed with a little bit of fabrication. Um, yeah, saw a lot of cool, a lot of cool wing setups and a lot of cool splitter and, and diffuser setups. Um, there were, I mean, again, that's one of the things I appreciate about this movement. Um, one of my favorite time periods we've talked about before is the forties and fifties and even early sixties of you know, yeah, early hot riding. And the one of the reasons I like it so much is that you can visually, you can look at somebody's car, and you can visually see their thought process. Yeah. And I see that same thing happening with, with cars like that where, you know, guys are trying different aero packages mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, countless other things. Yeah. So you can look at something and visually see their thought process, which is really cool for me to see kind of come back around. Yeah, and I think that's that's also an aesthetic unto its own. Um, it, it Especially with the craziest cars in the time attack field, like they're – they're hard to look at. Like mm. it's an acquired taste. That's for sure. <laughs> they they kind of look like those deep sea fishes that I think I've actually made this analogy before. They kind of look like a deep sea fish that you pull up from the bottom of the ocean and it's got weird fins and it's like, an and like on yeah, an antenna. it's <laughs> like it's hammer headed and it's got like a weird fin wing thing going right, on and right. a bunch of weird gills and weird places. <laughs> they look objectively odd. I, I have come to really, really like the way that they look. But it's definitely an acquired taste. And it's interesting to see that thought process. And it's interesting to pe- see people just trying stuff. Mm. Just trying stuff to, to shave objective tenths off of their time. I think that's really cool. Tenths and hundreds. But again, I mean, you move from one style of Honda, which is a really super track-oriented build, to a different style of Honda, a CRX with a, a, a pretty... I'm going to say objectively hard body kit on it. Um, but it, it, was a, it was a turbo car. It was a really rad B-series turbo car. It's clean. Um, it kind of seemed like a like a sex spec 2000s car, like a nopey, <laughs> nopey style car that someone had had uh, gone through and and repurposed for for racing. So I kind of appreciated that. Uh, it was a really cool, really cool build to those see. The car's got to go somewhere, man. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if if people can rescue those, like that's cool. I like I like hearing about that. It's probably um, going to start happening more than 
Yeah, well, that. I certainly hope so. I think I, I I hope people can rescue stance cars before they get totally trashed <laughs> for absolutely no reason. We won't we won't go into that. That's a whole entire other episode, though. Uh, uh, one of the one of the big <clears throat> takeaways, especially from the NASA paddock, was BMWs. Dude, BMWs were like the quintessential road race car. It seems like every it was by far the most popular car, the most popular platform on paddock, the most popular um, uh, uh, dealer on paddock. Do you think? Because do you think it's just because it's like the car right now mm. in in those circles, or is, is it actually that good of a platform? I think it's a really good platform. Really? I think they're super balanced. I've I've driven one in autocross, and yeah, that's probably the most aggressively I've driven one. But the, the biggest thing that I took away from that experience is not particularly power because they're not they're not particularly powerful, but the balance is mm. really good. They've got really good forward bite. The mechanical grip is really good. Um, you know, even on like a 225 series tire, it's really confident inspiring. It's not particularly understeery or oversteery. You can, you can, you know, balance throttle input to, to steer the car. It was a really fun experience. It's one of those cars that I think you can pick up and, and have a lot of fun in really quickly without having to do a lot of serious modification. Hmm. Um, so I think that's probably one typical of the reasons. German it's, it's engineering. So, yeah. Typical German engineering for sure. I think that's one of the reasons it was such a popular car on paddock. Um, but, it, but even more than, I saw mostly E46s, but there were also E30s and, you know, E90s and, you know, a lot more late model So those stuff. are different generations of that car, right? Yeah, different generations of the, I guess you would call them like the, like the 3 Series or the, the, the you know, that, that M3, 335i, that style of car. It, it, that was the most prevalent by far. Uh, you know, and I guess later on you call them the M4, mm-hmm. M4. Um, yeah, that that was probably the most popular car. That was the biggest takeaway from from the track event. That and you know there were a lot of S2000s as well. But BMW as a staple was probably the biggest, the biggest you know largest majority there. But again, there was literally everything. Alfa Romeos. There were there wasn't a Ferrari or a Lamborghini, but you know there were. There were really nice Audis out there. There was an R8 that was on track. Again, there was a freaking Tesla. That's that's pretty cool. I mean, you know, we're not seeing those cars raced a lot, and the fact that a Model 3 was out there is really neat to see. Um, but we also uh, we had a couple other things going on. There was a world record set at the event on uh, on Saturday. Chelsea DeNofa. Uh, set the record for the highest mile per, per hour initiation of a drift, hmm. um, 154.66 miles per hour. Good Lord. Um, yeah, and it was pretty incredible. How well, do you initiate something at that speed? Is uh, it just a clutch kick or is it? No, uh, it's, a, it's an e-brake and it's just dragging out the e-brake. That's commitment. That's how you kill the speed. It was it was pretty incredible. So I, wow. So, so this, is, this is the way it went down. I actually... Alex and I, Alex is a photographer who works for Detroit Speed, marketing guy. We had the we had the random opportunity. I think we were just in the right place at the right time to see him practicing. And I mean, when I say when I say see him practicing, I mean we were like right there. We were literally right next to him, uh, you know, on the on the on the front straight, um, you know, like ten feet away from where it was happening. Uh, and I got the chance to shoot a couple of really awesome shots there. I think they're the best pieces of photography that I've, I've ever been able to produce by far. Um, and it's, it's basically of Chelsea prepping, kind of feeling out, uh, you know, the, the, the process of drifting, doing the initiation on this front straight, which is, it's a pretty narrow front straight as far as 154 mile per hour initiations go. Um, and so he, he was, you know, we, we got to watch him kind of work through this out, you know, like work this out, work through this, 
Uh, and Vaughn Gittin Jr. was right there too, which was kind of cool to witness, kind of cool to see them go back and forth. Because he would, so so. So he was trying as well. <clears throat> no, Vaughn uh, Vaughn was giving him tips because uh, I think okay. Vaughn has also done some pretty high speed uh, initiations and stuff like that. So Chelsea would kind of go. He would make a run. Um, you know, a couple times he went off. You know, we could see the dirt. You know, over the hill. <laughs> Uh, you know, so get pushed up the into the end air. of the front straight. Yeah, this is at the end of the front straight, coming at, into turn one at Virgin, Virginia. Yeah, Virginia International Raceway. Okay. Um, and that that is where Hyperfest is located, by the way. I I, I suppose I should say that only but, there. Uh, I think it's only there. Yeah. I I don't think they have it anywhere else right now. I'm probably totally wrong when in saying that. I I need, obviously need to do some more research, but this event was at VIR. <clears throat> Um, and it, that's probably one of the reasons that it was such a fantastic event is because the venue is so utterly and completely awesome. Yeah, it's a cool but, place. Yeah, on the front straight, uh, he was kind of starting to feel it out. He would he would come back and he would he would kind of like take a second to powwow with with Vaughn, uh, and then he would go back out and try again. And there's there are a couple shots that I got of uh, <laughs> so I think I think he was having issue with finding reference because it's it's all so fast and it's all it's a little bit off camber too so there's not a lot of easy reference and it's all kind of flat like there's just flat grass out at the end of the straight there's a, thankfully a lot of runoff room and uh, so I think he was having trouble with with establishing a reference point for initiation and you know for for all the things that you need to do getting back on throttle um, and so at some point Vaughn he was on this little like, scooter and Vaughn takes a bunch of cones and he puts them on his scooter and he kicks off into the down into the back of the straight and he starts putting reference cones for Chelsea. Uh, we got to see that up close and we, we got some more pictures of that. Well, that too, uh, for people that don't know on a typical road course going into a turn, you have cones uh, or markers, you, like markers six through on one the, typically on the outside of a, of a turn or outside of the straight straight going into a turn. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> three two one five to one but they're they're typically break markers yeah and depending zones, on yeah. your skill level uh, uh will determine where you start breaking so <laughs> yeah someone like me you're probably on a five you know someone like uh this chelsea guy would probably be at a one yeah um so and, i mean it also depends between... on the capability of your car too like how, but those how the brakes you're running the tires the, well those cones are set out what I was going to say is they're they're set out for braking. They're yeah. not mm-hmm. set out for high speed corner yeah. entry. High speed corner entry, high speed drifting, <laughs> so those, totally those, different games. Those markers yeah. would be completely different for yeah. something well, like that. So well, that's, it's, that's really interesting. Yeah, it's actually true. We were we were right under the tower on the straight is where I was taking the photos. Right up on the the Armco is where I was and I got to hear some of the media guys talking about it. It was kind of interesting hearing them work through the process in their own minds. <laughs> like, oh man six through one isn't isn't good enough he needs he needs cones i guess that's what vaughn's doing yeah. going out there putting the cones down yeah guys think that you worked it out <laughs> good well, job. And, and reference points too they're super important super important yeah. and they can be just random objects on the side of a track like yeah. if you have a, a blind corner either entry or exit um usually somebody if you've never been to a track before and you ask somebody how to go around this place mm-hmm. they'll tell you you know when look for patches or as you're coming out look or, look for yeah. this tower uh-huh. or look for this tree or uh-huh. you know and this so is when you track in or this is when you track out yeah. don't track out until this patch reference the, points are yeah. a big big deal and i can't big, even imagine that use. that throws everything on its head that's yeah. really interesting so he would he would go and do these <clears throat> these try it runs basically and one of the things that i like i have to say i gotta give this guy credit like it wasn't it wasn't like a half deal he didn't he didn't just like do a half-hearted initiation first time dude first time had had to have been over like 120 hmm. for sure 
It, it might have even been in the 150s or 140s because this guy was wide open. He would he would come down. He he would go all the way to the last turn, and then he would turn around onto the straight, and then he would carry as much speed as possible. And the I don't know if it was flat floor shifting or what, but the way this thing shifted gears, it was like a just like a pop. It was angry. It was like it didn't. I think it's a dog box or something because it didn't lose RPM at all. It was like wah. Mm. It was super duper awesome, and the way these things are set up, they're they're naturally aspirated V8s that are super high revving. So to hear that sound coming out of a drift car is kind of interesting because it's, it's traditionally a stock car sound. So to hear that coming down the front straight, and then and then hear you know as he starts his initiation, and to see it like ten feet away from it is pretty incredible. Because I tried to do some pan shots, and it's just the guy was moving too fast. So fast. It was incredibly fast. So he would initiate. Uh, and and come into the corner and again he did some runoffs but uh, like he had a couple of shaky good ones and then he like nailed it twice in the in the pra- and this was just the practice for for day one and then he actually went out and he set the official record at 154.66 miles per hour on Saturday unfortunately on Saturday we weren't able to get as close but it, it was a really really cool experience just to see that up close and in person like that kind of made the event for me not yeah. you know not that i have any any special reference for reverence for these guys i do respect them a lot as drivers and as as a you know as kind of celebrity individuals in the motorsports industry right now particularly drifting but uh, it it was still a really special really cool uh thing to be able to watch happen um you know just such a high level of driving like I'm, I even even like looking through these photos again like this guy was booking just rocking into that front straight hmm. and then when he got it when he started to get it he would he would start to drift like turns two through through five into the you know into the snake and into the right into the sweeper and everything like that very cool yeah it was a that that was probably one of the coolest parts of the event and i didn't even know that was happening yeah and so that again is that a guinness thing or that's just the the record so far i think that's it i i think that was a guinness thing Hmm. um i'm not sure it was the official record for a track of a certain width um there have been higher higher hopefully he doesn't leave his award on a a toolbox in a windstorm oh we don't need to address that we don't need to that's an inside (laughs) thing we we don't need to talk about that uh yeah but uh, I mean, other than that, th- like that's pretty much the the highlight of it. Adam LZ was there. We've talked about Adam before. Um, he he had kids around his trailer and around his car the whole entire time. That that's one of the things that really solidified for me his celebrity and the celebrity of of people like him in the in the car vlogging world right now. I think that's they're going to be you know they're already big right now. They're already his content though right is now. next to none. I mean, he, ah, dude. His really his driving content is stuff. spectacular. Yeah. Just the the framing that he does and the the yeah the way it unravels it's super. And they're like mini document. But you know, whoever's doing his editing mini and, docs, and all that stuff like for, for the most part it's him. Legit, really, like he does he does except for the recent. Oh, by the way, we predicted that he would get involved with Formula Drift. Well, I, I mean, you your did. boy did, <laughs> and. Uh, was a hundred percent correct. He he announced that he was doing Pro Two and he started. He did the first round and did not qualify. He qualified the second round and kind of choked in the top sixteen. Um, so you know we'll see him get more comfortable behind the wheel. I'm sure and and show everybody how good of a driver he naturally is. But except for except for those events where he's super busy, he edits all of his all of his videos and they're daily they're like daily uploads. Daily, they're daily yeah. vlogs. So this guy, I I have a respect for his grind. That's for sure. He puts in a tremendous amount of work into content creation, and then and then also just the cars, the things that he's doing, the actual content behind the videos. 
So. I will say uh, it's been interesting to watch his progression as as somebody that's not as big a fan of drifting as you are. Yeah. To not necessarily force myself, but to to make myself watch these videos and and kind of you know in some way interact with this guy and in his journey. Uh, it's been really interesting to see him progress, even in the short time that I've started watching. Yeah. Um, and it's cool to see him succeed too. Yeah. You know, he's obviously been, been at it for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Well, he's definitely a talented driver. I, I kind of think it's well-deserved. I mean, it's definitely happened really quick, but that's as a result of how, how talented he is as a mm-hmm. driver, his car control is, you know, whatever innate talent he had. And, and it's cool. I, I like, I like watching it. It's really yeah. good content. I, um, I think that strikes on something just a like what makes a good story in general is just the character development. You get to see, you know, at the beginning of a saga, a certain level of capability. Yeah. And then, and then at the end of it, there's a m- more competency, you know, that seeing that character development is yeah. what makes it so compelling. And, and it also doesn't hurt that again, he has like, the, just the best in car footages that I've seen, like even if it's of something really kind of simple, like his his SR car, <laughs> yeah, just really good sounds, really good driving driving footage. If you haven't watched his stuff, go ahead and and do that. Uh, he he has Hyperfest recaps up too, so check those out. Um, some pretty cool stuff. But yeah, that was Hyperfest for me. It was super cool. I unfortunately didn't get to stay the entire time. That's one thing that I do regret. I'm going to stay the entire time next year, and I'm going to eke out all of the photos that I can. Maybe I will um, go. Yeah, I would. I think it would be awesome if you had the chance to go. I think yeah, you would I really would like enjoy it. Um, yeah, that's a, a cool event. Uh, I'm sure we're going to see more and more events like it crop up and, and rise in prevalence and popularity. Um I mean, again, we'd like to hear what you think. What what events are you interested in? You know, what have you been to Hyperfest? Have you been to events like it? You know, what what about these events makes you interested in them? We'd like to hear from you. Yeah, I mean, there's countless numbers of events going on wherever you are. Yeah, I would I would encourage anybody to search them out. Motorsportridge um, com is a great place to go to look for <clears throat> specifically track oriented events. They also have a lot of drifting and a lot of rally stuff on there too. A big eclectic group of of racing bodies. That even if you're a, a you know an older person like me and you like just sitting around talking and looking at cars, you know go to a, a local cars and coffee. Um, yeah, here in, here in the in the Mooresville Lake Norman area, we have um, Hot Rods and Hops, which is a really super cool event series. Um, usually centered around a brewery or multiple breweries, uh, local, um, you know, hot rods, muscle cars, imports, everybody kind of comes together in the cars and coffee kind of format, but Mm -hmm. you know, it's usually in the evening and you got some beer in your hand and it's, it's a really cool, fun time. family chilling out. Yeah. My daughter and I actually Mm -hmm. went to an event, a hops, a hot rods and hops event this past weekend while Chandler was in, um, um, Virginia, Virginia. Oh, Virginia. And uh, it was cool. It was at the Rescue Ranch, which is owned and operated by um, Ryan Newman and his wife. Mm-hmm. And they take in, from what I understand, they take in animals that need to be rescued for some reason. That's nice. That's it was really cause. cool. It was a beautiful facility. Uh, my daughter was super happy because they had a kid's area. <laughs> and they actually have... Is there petting? They have that. But they also have a zip line for kids oh which was super cool i'm telling you if yeah. i was a kid i would have been all over yeah that. 11 year old me sounds <laughs> super interested in the zip line right now i'm i'm all about that That's yeah cool. but you know like i said there's there's countless things going on in, in your area wherever you are yeah. so look it up 
get get out there with your people and enjoy some some cars and yeah. bikes and mm-hmm. things. I think that's a good note to end on. Yeah. You got anything else? That's it, man. All right. Thank you guys once again for listening. This has been our 10th episode of the Speeders Podcast. Once again, this is uh, Matt and Chad reminding you to unplug and live life at speed.